Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> Hello there. How wonderful it is to see you yet again back at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have a curious item to show you if you'll take a look over here in the display case. This item is quite old. It is a flintlock pistol from the 18th century. If you'll notice on the brass plating, there's a name and date engraved, Raphael Adelini, 1715. This is a piece of weaponry that dates back in antiquity, and while it was a curious addition to our not-too-distant past, it has resurfaced in a recent telling of a story from long ago. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Hulu movie, Prey. Now, the Predator franchise has always been a favorite of mine. I remember watching the movie uh, when it came out in 1987. I didn't get to see it in the movie theater. It was it was a time when, you know, I lived in small town, rural Pennsylvania, so we didn't get to go to the movie theater often. And when we did, it was a big special occasion, and it had to be something the whole family could go to. So most of the time, my friends and I didn't see movies until they came out on video. And we'd go to the video store, rent the VHS tape and the watch the bejesus out of it. And I remember uh, spending the night. It was like, I can't remember if it was a birthday party or just a sleepover, but a bunch of my friends got together at our one friend's house. And of course we rented a bunch of movies. I remember Spaceballs, one of those movies and Predator was another one of those movies. And just, I remember being so into Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time. That uh, pretty much anything he did was going to be gold with me. But this combined a lot of my favorite things. One, it combined uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger action. It combined science fiction because you had the alien aspect of it. And there was an element of horror about it that just uh, it made for such a great movie for me as a teenager at this time. Those were all the things I loved. Now, granted, as a grown adult, uh, I still love all those things, even a good uh, Arnie movie. But I loved this film and was so excited when I saw that there was going to be a sequel when Predator 2 came out in 1990. That was the first full summer, I should say, that my family, uh, we moved to North Carolina and uh, I, again it wasn't something that I saw in the movie theater it wasn't until it came out on video that I saw Predator 2 and remember being uh, slightly disappointed in it I didn't hate the movie but it just missed a lot of what I loved about the original Predator you know the original Predator one, it had that great ensemble cast with Jesse the Body Ventura, Carl Weathers, a, a bunch of other great actors, and a lot of great different characters. It really was a, a really cool ensemble. Uh, this kind of took that away, and it really felt like a uh, lethal weapon meets Predator because you had Danny Glover in the the lead role which i love danny glover i loved him in lethal weapon all the lethal lethal weapon movies i've i've loved him in in other things but i just didn't 
like this character in this because it really felt like he was playing the Roger Murtaugh character from Lethal Weapon and just plopped him down in the, in the middle of a Predator movie. I kept waiting for him to tell somebody that he's too old for this shit. And then, of course, you had Gary Busey, uh, another tie-in to Lethal Weapon. And it just it felt too much like the, like they were trying to do Lethal Weapon as a Predator movie. It just, I, it just didn't work for me. Although there were some aspects I did like about it. I didn't like they brought it to the city as opposed to, like, you know, the first movie was in the jungles. And it felt very much uh, akin to what a hunt would be, a cat and mouse game would be. I, I didn't like that they brought it to the city. So, you know, they, that was really the first movie where I'm starting to check out of this franchise. And then, of course, we didn't see anything until the early 2000s when they did a couple Alien versus Predator movies. I saw the first one. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Uh, the second one, uh, Alien versus Predator Requiem, I didn't love the first one enough that I don't think I ever did see the second one. And then we went back to just the Predator franchise with Predators, which was okay. I, I like that they they brought it back to the the hunt and the, like a wooded area. Uh, I like the fact that they brought it back to the ensemble cast. Again, it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. And then The Predator, uh, I, that, I don't think I watched that one either because uh, by then I had checked back out of the franchise. But when I saw that Hulu was doing this movie Prey, which was going to be a prequel to the Predator series, and I I think if you're going to reboot a franchise, I like this idea of taking it back to the beginning and then starting from there. You're not discounting all the movies that came before, but you're taking it so far back in history that you can start fresh and then build from there. Like I said, you're not saying that the other movies didn't happen. Uh, you're just kind of starting the story fresh and giving a fresh take on it. So I, I kind of was on board with that idea. I love the idea that they're taking this back to the 1700s. 1719, I believe, is the year that this movie takes place. And you're taking it back to the Native American tribes of the, the Great Plains, the Comanche tribe of the Great Plains, and the idea that this predator, who has always had uh, such advanced weaponry and just such an advanced killing machine, going up against these people with primitive weapons, tomahawks and bows and arrows and lances and things of that nature. Uh, I like the idea of technology versus uh, a more uh, simple style of living. So that really intrigued me as well. How are these Native Americans from the 1700s going to go up against a force as powerful as the Predator? That had me hooked right then and there. And the fact that Dan uh, Trackenberg was directing this. I, I've been a fan of his. I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. He's done some uh, stuff with uh, Black Mirror that I really liked. So I, I was interested to see more from him just in general but the fact that he was doing this this predator prequel really i was on board with this i swallowed hook line and sinker and was really ready to enjoy this movie i was primed i i was waiting for this i hadn't been ready for a predator movie like this in quite some time since probably the sequel uh in 1990 with with danny glover now was i going to be uh, 
disappointed uh, a little bit, kind of like Predator 2. Uh, that remained to be seen. I mean, the trailers looked really good. It looked really interesting. The uh, the actors looked very dynamic. And so, yeah, I thought everything had the right look. Just from the trailer, everything had the right feel. Uh, it didn't feel like they gave away too much in the trailer, which is always a big bugaboo with me when it comes to trailers these days because they cut trailers and just give too much shit away uh, for, for my liking. You know, I, I want a little bit of, of mystery. I want to have the things that should surprise me surprise me. Uh, I don't want... <laughs> everything revealed in the trailer. So I kind of felt like they held back enough with the trailer that I didn't feel like things were going to be ruined for me. And while this didn't have the ensemble cast feel that like the original Predator film had with Arnold and Jesse Ventura and Carl Weathers and, and, and the other guys, Predators kind of had that ensemble cast feel, which really helped me uh, kind of tie it to the original one in, in the things I loved about it. Well, this didn't have an ensemble cast feel. It really did bring the story back to its roots in that you have this hunter hunting in this wilderness. And I think that's one of the things I really liked about the first one is that it, it really felt like this predator was on safari and was searching for its prey and hunting its prey. Uh, that's kind of how it felt with predators when they brought these people to this alien planet to this essentially like a wildlife refuge where they were going to be hunted. And that's what this felt like because we start the movie off with this alien ship dropping off this predator. And I can't remember the name of this uh, species of alien, but uh, but they do have a name. Uh, I don't I don't recall it being mentioned in the movies, or it, it may have been something that was revealed in the comics because they did a lot of comics uh, based on Predator and Alien versus Predator. Uh, I can't remember where the name came from, but it's escaping me right now. But there is a name, and I can't remember it, so <laughs> I'm just going to call him the Predator. But they drop off one of these predators, and. It's really cool. I liked how they they didn't really come out and say this is the first time they've been to this planet. But you see this predator going around and it is experiencing predator versus prey relationships and killing the the victor you see this rat eat a spider and it kills the rat. Uh, you see this wolf stalking a a rabbit and once the wolf gets the rabbit, the predator confronts it and kills the wolf. This was seen later with a bear. And one of the bittersweet scenes for me, which I'll, I'll talk to that when it when I come up on it, uh, once we get a little more into the, the plot proper. But you see this predator kind of going around, experiencing life on this planet and seeing who is the apex predator and essentially... I'm, you know, any apex predator I find, I'm going to challenge it and I'm going to kill it to show that I am the apex predator. Again, I don't know if they're insinuating this is the first time they've been to this planet, but it feels like this particular predator, it's the first time they've been here, which kind of leads to, I think, a, a mirroring between this predator and our main character, Naru. Again, I'll kind of talk to that uh, a little bit later as well. 
But we do meet Naru, played by Amber Midthunder, which I, I thought she did a really good job. Uh, although it was a little bit distracting, she uh, looks a lot to me like the actress Aubrey Plaza. And just she's just got those big, beautiful eyes like Aubrey Plaza has. And it was very distracting because I kept like, my God, she looks like Aubrey Plaza the whole freaking movie. But she did a good job. Uh, I think there are some aspects of her character that like uh, she has this like black uh, war paint uh, across her eyes. And in having that, and then there's later where some of it get wiped away, and it almost looks like she has heavily lined eyes. Her character, just between the look and some of her mannerisms, felt almost like a moody teen, an emo teen from today. Uh, that took me a little out of it. All in all, it wasn't, I don't think it was a fault of hers per se, uh, because I thought she did a really good job with this character and with the weight of everything, with the weight of the action, with the weight of the theme of this character, because she is a young woman in a Comanche tribe and in Comanche culture and a lot of cultures, uh, especially the hunter-gatherer cultures of this time period. You know, the women went out and gathered berries and roots and, and vegetables and things of that nature. And the, the men went out and did all the hunting. And she is expected to be be a part of the group of women that goes out. Her mother is kind of a, a medicine woman of sorts. She uh, mixes roots and, and things of that nature and flowers and makes medicine. And it's kind of expected that she's going to follow in her mother's footsteps. We know that her father is not in the picture. He's apparently uh, passed away, died sometime before. He left her a, a tomahawk that uh, uh, her mother said she <laughs> he left it to her so she could cut roots. But uh, she, of course, she doesn't want to be saddled with just doing woman's work she wants to be a warrior so she goes out every day and she practices with this tomahawk and and we find really quickly that she is quite adept uh with this weapon you know she's out you know flinging it at trees and and they did a really good job with that i, I know a lot of that was cg um some of the CG in this is quite suspect. Some of it's not too bad. Uh, some of the work they did with her and the tomahawk and uh, that that CG was quite interesting. And it really they you know with some very quick montages uh, showed how adept she is with this tomahawk and that she is skilled. And we get some some scenes with her and her brother to Abe, who is a, a very skilled hunter played by Dakota Beavers, which uh, uh, another actor that I really liked uh, his portrayal because he is the strong hunter. He's very skilled. He's a warrior. He's a um, kind of a leader, you know, of the, the group of, of young Comanche that, that he's with, you know, he's kind of the one looked to as the leader and he kind of plays not both sides, but he, he respects his sister and the fact that she wants to be a skilled warrior. He, I, I don't know if he feels that uh, she's ready for it. She's really ready for it. But uh, he understands, and when there comes time to track a a mountain lion that has uh, attacked one of their uh, tribe members, she wants to come along, and he lets her because he tells the the guy she's a good tracker, and 
and he he knows she's got the skills to be a good hunter. I don't know as if uh, he thinks that she understands all it takes to be a good hunter. And of course, uh, she she proves him wrong on several occasions. But but I really like this character because one he played the the strong warrior type quite well, but he played it with a sensitivity. There's a sensitivity to this character that, you know, he loves his sister and he doesn't want to see her disappointed. So he's going to be encur- as encouraging as he can without just, you know, placating her ambitions to be a skilled warrior. And they talk about this, this ritual, this rite of passage, and I can't, the name escapes me right now, but this rite of passage that these warriors in this Comanche culture go through. And it is a, a situation where you are hunting something that is hunting you. You are hunting that which is thinks of you is prey. And, and I think that a lot of, you know, quite literally ties into the title and ties into the bigger themes of this. And and when we have the predator introduced into what's going on with these, these Comanche people. But that really is kind of the essence of this movie is this young woman who doesn't want to be thought of as just a girl. Just a girl who does woman's work. Uh, she wants to be thought of as a warrior. Uh, she is not willing to settle for her place in life. She wants to make her own path. Uh, she has a mother who doesn't necessarily agree with her. She's got a brother who maybe it's not that he doesn't agree with her, but but he is very supportive and very nurturing. And I think the mother is in her own way. Uh, Aruka is the name of the mother, played by Michelle Thrush. She does a great job. She has a really poignant scene uh, there towards the middle where she's talking to Naru about this, this rite of passage, this hunt where you are hunting that which is hunting you. And she says it's not about killing what you're after. Uh, the whole point of this this rite of passage, this hunt is survival. And I thought that really that really stood out to me because I think when when I talk about this later, the kind of mirroring between Naru and this predator that we see in this movie, I, I think there's some parallels that can be drawn between these two characters that I think that that line right there spoke to. But you spend the the better part of this first act meeting all these characters, uh, meeting the predator and what he's kind of doing, observing and killing whatever he finds as a threat, whatever he finds as the apex predator. Uh, it, it is a little heavy-handed at the beginning with the, uh, but you're just a girl stuff. Uh, and I get it. Uh, I, I understand why they were a little heavy-handed with that because they wanted to really really drive home this point of the movie that she's not just a girl, that nobody should be pigeonholed as just anything. Like I said, we make our own path and she wanted to be a warrior and there's nothing that could stop her from being the warrior that she was. So I I get the heavy handedness with the, oh, but you're just a girl (laughs) aspect of it at the beginning. But it really kind of, it, it, it bordered on preachy at the beginning, but then it mellowed out and you really got the subtle conveyances of that theme through the second and the third act which i like i said it was a little little less heavy-handed and a little more thematic and 
very much enjoyable to watch and to to make the connections and understand where they were going with all of this. But there was a really cool scene when we get the first. I mean, she understands that something's going on. She's seen things. She's seen the uh, the cloaking of the alien spaceship. So all you kind of see is the clouds moving and you hear the thunder of the, the engines. She witnesses that and knows that there's something. She mistakes it for the Thunderbird. Uh, but she knows something is is out there. And she witnesses things. And she's trying to tell her her brother uh, Taabe and her mother and the other tribes uh, people that there's something out there uh there's this great scene though where she comes across a bear a grizzly or a brown bear i'm guessing it's probably a grizzly and it turns on her and starts to attack her you see the scene in the in the trailer where she kind of jumps into the river and swims under this beaver lodge and the bears trying to get at her and they have this great scene where you only catch a little bit of it in the trailer it was much cooler in the movie than it was in the trailer because you have this fight scene play out between this bear and the predator and i mean like a, a wrestling match uh, although the predator has its invisibility cloaking uh, mechanism engaged and sometimes it fails so you catch a little bit of it and then it's not and then you just see kind of the distorted uh, view and it just it really looked cool uh, the idea of it was very cool some of the cg of the bear was uh, i probably my biggest problem with this film was the the cg animals cg animals almost never look good unless you are putting some some money behind it cheap cg animals come across looking cheap and i compare that with i just started watching the series the sandman on netflix which we're going to be talking about on thursday's episode and i see some of the cg in that and while it's not perfect my god the cg in the Sandman is pretty damn good Compared to the CG in Prey, it's magnificent. Uh, I just wasn't happy with a lot of the CG in this. And especially, like I said, the CG animals. CG animals, that CG bear looked horrible. The CG snake was weak. The CG rabbit that they had was was okay. I don't understand why uh, so many movies go the easy route. Maybe it's cheaper in the long run, but I, I miss the days... Uh, of old when they would actually have animal wranglers and bring in real animals it makes me worried about things they keep talking about doing this reboot of the arachnophobia movie and that was a good movie it was a scary movie i think they could even double down and make it scarier uh with this reboot but not if they're just going to use cg spiders cg spiders are the worst uh I, i've very rarely if ever seen a good CG spider. And so I, I worried when uh, I watch movies or series that uh, have CG animals in it, it just almost never looks good. And, and this is no different. I, I was just not a big fan of the CG bear or any of the other CG animals. The CG mountain lion was, was bad. At least that one was in the dark. Even in the dark, uh, it looked like bad CG. But, but this bear's out in broad daylight. And it just, 
doesn't look like it's even it looks like it was just planted on top of the film and it's very little uh, that made it feel like it was a part of the world or even looked real I just was not happy with that but the scene was very cool I liked the idea of the scene uh, the parts where the predator and the bear are wrestling around probably were some of the best scenes with the bear where the bear actually looked decent uh its movements looked decent but you have this scene where this predator fights this bear and and it looks like the predator is gonna lose and the bear wins but the the predator comes back and it's just it was very engaging and then this scene where uh, this predator, who, like I said, is still invisible, lifts this bear over its head that he sliced open, and the blood drains down on top of the predator, and you start to see this shape emerge, and you've got Naru in the beaver lodge that's all busted up uh, seeing this, and it was just probably one of the freakier borderline scarier moments of the movie i thought but it was really cool again it was cg blood too so it just uh, <laughs> cg blood is never really that good either but i like i said i liked the idea of the scene i liked what they did with it the direction of it uh the execution of the cg just wasn't up to what i was looking for as far as realistic looking cg the other thing I really liked about this movie is there were a lot of kill scenes. I mean, you had the scene where there's a bunch of these Comanche warriors and they come across Naru and she has already had a run in with the predator and they're looking, I believe they're looking for Naru's brother, uh, Ta'abe and the predator comes along and they have this big fight scene with these different uh, Comanche warriors taking on this, this predator and just the bloodbath that ensued. Uh, there was a couple other really great scenes with these French uh, trappers, these French pioneermen that come in and there's, you know, it, it kind of plays into the, the whole, white european coming and just kind of raping the land there's a scene where naru comes across this field with all these skinned buffaloes and she kind of says a little prayer over the one buffalo and it's it's one of those scenes that you're not you know it makes you not very proud of what the settlers did even though we've come to to a great nation it still has a lot of faults but we have this great nation but the, the some of the things we've done in order to, to make this nation great, or maybe not so much that, but some of the things we've done along the way uh, while building this great nation uh, are are embarrassing and sickening. And and one of those things where we just decimated the the buffalo herds of this country, and of course the the treatment of Native Americans and things like that uh, are, are just not some of our brightest moments as a as a nation but these french trappers are introduced into this story they at one point kidnap uh, taabe and naru and they know of the predator through a translator they're trying to get information from naru and they end up setting a trap uh, much like we saw naru teaching her brother and some of the other warriors to, to lay a trap for this mountain lion that they were hunting earlier. They set a trap where they use uh, Naru and Ta'abe as bait for the predator. And there's such a really cool scene where you've got a bunch of these Frenchmen up on this, this ridge and you've got these two guys laying at the edge of it, uh, you know, using uh, 
telescope to see what's going on, to see if the predator uh, attacks uh, Naru and her brother. And you just see a little bit of the background where the, uh, these other uh, Frenchmen are on these horses. And you just see this predator almost silently laying waste to all of them. And these two guys laying down watching Naru and her brother uh, just none the wiser until the predator turns on them. Uh, that was a really cool scene. And then the fight that ensues where they laid the trap for this predator and the, it is sprung, uh, had some really gruesome deaths, uh, some really cool, uh, showings of the alien technology. And we'll get to some of the high tech and low tech technology of this, this predator, uh, a little bit later on, but, uh, you know, the net that he springs that kind of stretches and, and <laughs> kind of eviscerates people, uh, that makes an appearance, uh, the two claws that come out of his, uh, well, yeah, we're just might as well talk about all his weaponry right now. The two claws that come out of his hand, uh, they make an appearance. Some of the lances that he has and almost swordy looking things that just kind of pop out of nowhere, uh, or extend telescope out, uh, those make an appearance. Uh, he has a thing on his wrist that shoots off these discs that end up exploding, kind of similar to the uh, self-destruct device that uh, the Predator has in the 1987 Predator movie. He doesn't have the like plasma cannon weapon on his shoulder like he does in the the first Predator movie and maybe even the second. I, I can't remember all the rep weaponry from the other ones, but he does have a, a new mask. It's almost made of bone. It almost looks like it could be the skull of a xenomorph. He's wearing that. It still has the, the eyepiece that shoots out the three little lasers, uh, the targeting lasers. Instead of uh, using that to target people for the like the plasma cannon, uh, he has these darts that it they follow wherever those dots go. But they they had a lot of cool weaponry for this predator. It seemed a little less high tech than predators before, and I don't know whether that is because this is you know hundreds of years prior to that. Although they have space travel, so you think they'd still have some of this tech. Or if it is because of another reason, which, like I said, I'll get to a little bit later, because I think some of the aspects of Naru in this Predator are mirroring themselves. But it's while Naru's in this camp that she is introduced to the translator, and the translator has this flintlock pistol that we see that has the Raphael Adolini 1715 engraved on it. But this is the same flintlock pistol that the aliens uh, handed to Danny Glover. At the end of Predator 2, it had the same engraved name and year on it. So I, I like how they kind of use that to tie this back into the other Predator movies. Now, I've heard people talk about this, and I know in one of the comic series, uh, they try to explain who this Raphael Adolini is, and they, they made him a conquistador, and, and there's like another story as to how the Predators got this weapon, but they even call this character Raphael Adelini in the, the credits, uh, played by Bennett Taylor. So this is kind of um, a retconned uh, origin story for the character and the weapon and how the Predators came into possession of the weapon, which is something that we 
don't actually see in this movie. But again, we'll talk about that coming up. But I, I did like the the big fight scene between the Predator and these these French pioneermen. But it's at the end of this whole scene that we kind of get the heart-wrenching scene where Ta'abe is, is killed by the Predator. Uh, the Predator shows up in the camp where uh, Naru has been trying to mend the wounds of this Raphael Adelini, where you know, in, in order for her to heal him or give him medicine, uh, he gives her the flintlock pistol and then teaches her how to use it. The Predator shows up, kills Raphael. Ta'abe shows up to save the day, and he's fighting uh, the Predator and, and then eventually ends up getting killed. And it, it was just, it was heart-wrenching because, like I said, I really did like this character. Uh, he was a noble character. He was a compassionate character. As much as everyone else looked down at his sister because his sister wouldn't just be a dutiful woman and do the women's work of the tribe, uh, he respected the fact that she wanted to be a warrior, that she was skilled as a warrior, and I, I liked that about him. It made his character complex and not just kind of one note uh, male chauvinist or anything like that. And I thought Dakota Beavers did a really good job playing this character. Uh, I liked that he, he emoted that that sense of honor and rugged manliness of, of being a warrior, but he also really emoted uh, that compassion that he has for his younger sister. And I really liked their relationship. I, I wish that relationship could have been fleshed out a little more. I wish we could have got to see a little bit more of that relationship between these two characters. But alas, uh, he is no more. And, uh, and the Predator made him one of his final victims. And again, it was it was such a heart wrenching scene, and and there really wasn't time. You don't even really get time to to mourn his loss before we kind of get into that final final showdown between uh, Naru and and the Predator. And I like how they they set it up. They did it very akin to what Arnold Schwarzenegger did when in the '87 Predator, he's kind of setting up the traps with the swinging log, and and we see Naru doing a similar thing uh she's setting up these traps uh, she came across this kind of boggy quicksand area and she she uses this in her her final battle in the battle with the the french pioneers camp uh she comes across she gets the predator's helmet she takes that captive essentially and she uses that in a very interesting way i i, I don't know as if it made complete sense but it was interesting how they used that. She's got this... Well, I, I didn't even really get a chance to talk about this earlier. But uh, she decides to take her tomahawk and make essentially a new weapon out of it. Because uh, with the tomahawk, you got to throw it. I mean, if you don't slash with it, uh, you've got to throw the tomahawk. And then you have to go get it and retrieve it. Where she makes this rope. And uh, it's, it's quite a long length of rope. And she ties it around the tomahawk. Essentially making what uh, in, in Asian culture, uh, ninjutsu, you see a lot of this in ninja movies. A uh, 
Kaiuketsu Shoge. It's one of those like bladed weapons. Uh, sometimes it's a knife. Sometimes it's almost like a, a sickle. Uh, sometimes it's other like a, almost a combination of the two. But it's on the end of a rope, and you can swing it, and and you can uh, lash it out and pull it back. And that's what she uses this new hybrid weapon for. She she can throw her tomahawk, but then she can whip it back. And again, they had another montage scene where she very quickly becomes very proficient with the weapon she's never uh, i mean she used the tomahawk before but she's never used it like this before but very quickly is becomes a, uh, a skilled warrior with this weapon which again it, it maybe was a little too convenient but i i liked it because it added a different aspect to the fights and of course she's bringing that to bear in this final showdown with the predator but I like i really liked the final fight scene it was very interesting i, I don't know whether it felt real because here you have this alien with all these uh, advanced weapons taking on this human with very primitive weapons and but but i liked the fight felt plausible enough because she had enough traps set she gets him stuck in this this quicksand although it doesn't keep him trapped for long the thing i didn't understand is that he activated the tracking system the the three lasers that come out and of course the mask is pointed at him and yet he fires anyway and of course these arrows go and stab him uh, that uh, i don't know how much sense that made from a logistics standpoint but it, it it was really cool to watch uh it made for an interesting aspect to the final fight and then of course she uh shoots him with the the pistol that uh, Raphael Adelini gave her. And then we kind of get this mirror image between her and her brother because after her brother kills the mountain lion and comes back to camp holding the mountain lion's head in his hand and he is crowned the war chief. We have a scene where she comes back from this final showdown with the predator with the predator's head in her hands and she is is crowned the war chief and and then we end to credits now one of the things i thought was really cool is they didn't do a ps scene or a mid-credit scene per se but they did this really awesome thing with the the end credits where they kind of played out the events of the movies in almost like a, a cave painting like a Native American cave painting style of art. And there's a little animation, but uh, but most of it's flashes of these cave paintings until we get to the very end where we see that final scene where she's standing there uh, with the war chief uh, staff and the alien head in her hand. And then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of animation where you see it clouds up and a couple of these predator ships show up. So, I mean, that's obviously a a sign of what's to come in the next movies and i have to imagine somehow uh we're gonna see how the predators got a hold of this rafael adelini pistol which they end up giving danny glover at the end of predator 2 that all is interesting but even more interesting i'm excited to see where they take this story and this franchise and we'll kind of talk a little more about that what i what i'm hoping we'll see in a prey to film but ultimately i, I really loved this movie i you know, I know I've seen a lot of people talking about and ranking Predator movies, and a lot of people saying that this is 
the best Predator movie since the original 1987 Arnold Schwarzenegger film. I've some I, I've seen some people even be audacious enough to say it is the best. I, I don't know if I'd go there. I won't go that route because the original Predator film was, I think, the best one, the best representation of the Predator franchise. But this is right up there. I, I wouldn't disagree with anybody that says this is the second best Predator film in the franchise because I really liked this. I liked the technology versus the primitive tech angle of it. I liked the angle of the character Naru uh, being a woman but not being content to just do quote-unquote women's work within the tribe. She wants to be a warrior, and she is, she's setting out on her own path. Uh, I really liked that. I love the kill scenes. The sound design on this was, was wicked. They really cut away from a lot of the violence. I mean, there is a lot of violence in this, and there is a lot of blood, but they don't show everything that they could have. And I like that they dialed back. But where you don't see things, you get the sound design. And the sound design of some of these these characters being just completely eviscerated is disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's some very gross-sounding uh, slashes and splatterings and, and things of that nature. Uh, I, I loved that aspect of it. I really loved the score. Because the music in this by, uh, I'm probably going to butcher her name, uh, Sarah Shashner, was just fantastic. The main score to this was just beautiful and had like an undertone of melancholy. And it just, it really fit the feel and the look of this film. I thought it was filmed brilliantly. I thought the direction was great. The acting was fantastic. Amber Midthunder, I thought, did a great job as Naru. Uh, Dakota Beavers was, was fantastic. As to Abe, Michelle Thrush, uh, even though you didn't get a ton of scenes with her as, as the mother, uh, the scenes you did get, she added such weight in her performance that you really felt everything she said had some some greater meaning or, or had some some weight to it. And I like what they did with the Predator. I, I like the angle that this Predator has come here and is obviously not very familiar with the surroundings because he's investigating. Uh, he's looking at our ecosystem to find the, the top Predators uh, so it can can take them as trophies. And that's where I think there are some, and I could be completely wrong on this because it's never really said out loud, but I, I almost wonder if we have these two characters, Naru, who is a young woman who wants to become a warrior and she has to go through this rite of passage. I can't, like I said, I can't remember the name of this hunt that she is supposed to go on where you're hunting something that is hunting you essentially. And I almost wonder if this predator has come to earth in a similar fashion. The other predators have dropped this predator off on this planet and it is going through some rite of passage because I, I noticed one thing that the the predator had very little armor. The mask that it wore wasn't made of any sort of metal. 
Uh, it was a bone mask, even though it still had the like the heat vision technology and the the laser sights technology. It was a very primitive mask. Uh, some of the weapons that it was allowed to use were very primitive, edged weapons, uh, netting. He did have those kind of uh, explosive discs, but I think that was more of a last resort sort of situation kind of like the uh, the risk gauntlet self-destruct device from from the original predator film but you have this predator that has come to our planet with minimal technology like he doesn't have the big plasma cannon on his shoulder like he does in the original one uh, or, or some of the other ones so i'm almost wondering if this predator much like naru is on this this hunt to prove themselves and while naru has to hunt something that is hunting her to become a warrior uh, maybe that wasn't the intent of this predator hunting something that is hunting it but that's the situation that predator finds itself ultimately at the end of this film that it is hunting something naru that is actually hunting him like the mother said the whole point of this hunt isn't about killing your prey it's about survival and ultimately in the end we find that naru is the one that survived because she did get her prey so i thought that was kind of an interesting take on it i haven't seen anybody talk about anything like that but like i said it's not anything that i've heard i haven't really read many interviews or listened to many interviews with jan uh trackenberg but it was something that i took away from this uh, like i said i could be completely off base and completely wrong with this but i'll be interested to see when we do get a sequel because that that final little bit of the animated credit where you see the two ships, the two predator ships appear, means that we are going to see another round of this, I think, where these predators, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to uh, essentially, whatever, however many of them are on that ship, are they going to go to war with this Comanche tribe? Are we going to see other tribes get involved? Are we going to see at the end maybe some sort of truce where uh, Naru gives the predators this gun as a, a sign of of peace or, or something like that? Or not maybe not peace, but uh, as a sign of uh, respect, uh, much like they gave the gun to Danny Glover in, at the end of Predator 2. Uh, there's really so many things. I think it really would be cool to see um, multiple Predators uh, taking on multiple members of these Comanche or, or maybe even other tribes. Uh, I can't remember how many tribes were in the kind of Great Plains area. This takes place in the northern Great Plains section of the United States, but it would be really interesting to see what uh, what transpires and and the route they go because they could go a lot of different ways with this and i think all of them are really quite interesting because one it's nothing we've ever seen before all the predators movies to this point have been either in present day or some not too distant future we've never really seen one where they've gone back in the past like this and like i said the idea of these advanced alien creatures these predators uh, taking on people who are a little more primitive in type of weaponry that they have uh, is just really an interesting idea. Now, I know we've seen it now, uh, so the the novelty, I think, will wear off. I don't think you want to go to the well one too many times, but I think uh, they've shown enough that there's a, a continuation to this story. There's a continuation to this character, Naru, and I think we need at least one more. 
with this 1719 time period uh, story that I think there's a little more uh, left to be seen because I, I think there's a lot that we didn't really get to go into with this. I mean, the runtime on this was about 100 minutes. So you're talking about an hour 40. That really wasn't a bad runtime for this. In, in an age where everything is going to be two plus hours long, every movie is going to be two and a half hours long, they really did this well because it was a simple story. And I know I've said this before about other stories, but it was a simple story, simply told. You didn't have to go into too much more than you already went into with this. I, I think there was enough story there to fill an hour and 40 minutes. And, and they did that well. They didn't drag anything out. Uh, they didn't over-explain things. Uh, they didn't make this feel like there was a bunch of filler just to fill time to get us to a two-hour runtime. Uh, I thought it was a good length and the action was consistent. Uh, the story was consistent. You were always learning more. Everything the characters did advanced the storyline. Uh, like I said, some some things were a little, you know, the <laughs> she becomes an expert with this new weapon, this tethered uh, tomahawk, conveniently quickly. <laughs> but it made sense. She's already proficient with a weapon. I, I think, you know, it, it's not too much of a leap. There's some, you know, logistical issues with uh, how she ends up killing, or not so much killing the predator, but the thing with the mask, him targeting himself with the arrows, and why he wouldn't realize that. That's what was happening. There are some things that maybe didn't make complete sense, but they weren't anything that took you out of the movie. And like I said, all in all, the pacing was great. The story was great. And the only the only problems I really had with this was probably the CG. And I would hope that now that Hulu has, I think, a proven commodity on their hand, because I think this was Hulu's foray into some more uh, high-end uh, original content. Uh, Hulu has done some original series and, you know, they've been mixed reviews. A uh, few of them have lasted. Most of them don't. Unfortunately, Castle Rock didn't last. Uh, Why the Last Man <laughs> didn't even last a season. Uh, you know, they've had, they've got some original stuff, but nothing that has really had any staying power as far as shows go, as far as movies go. I, I mean, it's all been kind of hit or miss, but this is kind of a really a big, their first really big production you know, in dealing with uh, 20th Century Studios. And I think they want to start making more high-quality, high-impact movies, at least movies, maybe TV shows as well. But uh, this is their first foray into that, and I'm hoping they have a lot of success with this because uh, if they have success with this, they're going to do it more often. We're going to see things of this caliber, and they'll be willing to put a little more money into it. So I think when you have a movie like this, where it just hits on all the cylinders except for one, and that is the CG, uh, maybe they'll have a little more money next time to put into some better quality CG. At least I'm hoping. If that's the biggest chink in the armor, I can live with it. Like I said, it was a really good story. If the story was horrible, if the acting was horrible, if there were some things that, more things that just didn't make sense, uh, maybe the shitty CG wouldn't be as easily overlooked. But like I said, I think it hit on all the other cylinders. So I still enjoyed the movie, whether the CG was that great or not. 
And like I said, it had a, a brilliant look. I love the cinematography. There were just some beautifully shot scenes. The one scene at night uh, during the final battle where Naru is leaping off this tree branch down on the Predator. And she's kind of all sprawled out with the, the tomahawk ready for attack. It was just such a beautifully shot scene. Uh, the scene when she's coming back to her tribe at the end of the movie where she's got the, the Predator head in her hand. And she's got some of that glowing blood wiped on her face face uh it was just a, a beautifully shot scene and those are just a, a couple of many really beautiful scenes from this movie but but not just the the cinematography the direction the acting it just all really uh, came together for an enjoyable film it makes me excited for the predator franchise uh, from here on out it makes me excited to see what we're gonna get next and I know I don't speak for myself. I, I could probably easily speak for a lot of people, a lot of fans of Predator. Uh, we haven't had a lot to be excited about in a very long time when it comes to this franchise. Uh, or if we did get excited, where our excitement was quickly extinguished. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Dan Trackenberg does next with this. Hopefully they keep him on board with this. I would like to see you know where he's taking this story because he was uh, very integral in, in the making of this story. So I'm excited to see what he's got up his sleeve next for the Predator franchise. And just in general, I've really been very happy with everything I've seen that he's done as of late. So really excited to see uh, what he's got coming up next. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts on the new Hulu movie, Prey. Uh, I encourage you to check it out. If you love the Predator franchise, uh, you're going to love this movie, I think. Um, it's It's got a lot of great things going on for it. It's got a good story. It's got a lot of blood and gore. It takes a lot of the things that make the original Predator movie so good and really doubles down on them. Like I said, good story, cool kills, but they don't overdo it. There is a lot of, there's a lot of blood. Um, there again, it's a lot of it's CG blood, which is a little iffy, but but you feel like gore. There's, there's enough gore to keep you entertained. There's a lot of action because at its heart, Predator was an action movie uh, with a sci-fi setting and a little bit of horror element. And you got this. This was an action movie with a sci-fi setting with this alien. And you get a little bit of horror, not a ton of horror. Uh, and I, maybe they could have done a little more, played a little more into that. Uh, they could have played a little more into the horror with the hunting and the stalking of the Predator with, with Naru and some of the other uh, people of her tribe. They could have doubled down on that. Uh, they didn't, but like I said, uh, ultimately Predator has never been a horror movie franchise. But there were some freaky, creepy, horror-adjacent moments that were really enjoyable as well. So... If you like that sort of stuff, if you like a movie that's got just a little something for everyone, uh, I think this is going to be uh, right up your alley. I know I enjoyed Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I do. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Prey. You can find out more about what's going on with the podcast at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook. Uh, we're always posting trailers and articles from all the genres, horror, fantasy, and sci-fi that we love. Uh, always trying to keep you updated on what's going on with that. And, of course, we've got another episode coming up on Thursday. We're going to be talking about the new Netflix series, The Sandman, which I'm almost 
finished with that and have been really enjoying that. So you're going to get my thoughts on that coming up on Thursday's episode. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. Please subscribe to it, follow it, wherever you're listening to this podcast, Uh, download the podcast, and uh, most importantly, share the podcast with anyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. Help us get the word out about uh, what we're doing here if you enjoy what you're listening to, or even if even if you're moderately ambivalent, even if I'm just there to fill the silence of your day, uh, please share this with, with anyone that you know that you think might, uh, might be into this. But I want to thank you for listening, and until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!